Find all your favorite movies and shows faster with Xfinity. Just speak into the X1 voice remote to search across live TV, on demand, even Netflix and Prime Video. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity today and get a great offer. You'll enjoy Xfinity X1, which gives you access to your favorite streaming apps like Netflix, YouTube, and now Prime Video. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit the store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. You're listening to a Castaway Media Podcast. Find more great shows at castaway.media or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash castawaypodcasts. Welcome along to Fair Game. I'm Elaine Buckley. And I'm Emily Glenn. If you're joining us for the first time, then the good news is that once you've finished listening to this episode, you've got a full archive of episodes to get through. Lots of really interesting discussions with Irish sportswomen in our archive are available over on castaway.media forward slash fair game. You can also subscribe to the podcast to get a direct download of each new episode upon release day. Just search Fair Game on iTunes or your listening app of choice and hit that button. There's also a review section if you fancy giving us some feedback on what you've heard. We'd love to hear it. And if you're a Twitter user, go on and give us a follow. The username is at FairGameCast. That's where we keep you up to speed with all things women's sport on a daily basis. News from both here in Ireland and internationally. We really appreciate any shares and links to uh, Fair Game content too. It's a big help in spreading the word about the podcast. So who is in the Fair Game hot seat today? Well, it's tricky to track down an athlete who trains intensively in five different disciplines. So we're very fortunate to have this Irish sportswoman in studio with us now. She's a double Olympian with two top 10 finishes in her field, a World Cup gold winner and the paramount ambassador for her sport of modern pentathlon. Natalia Coyle, you're very welcome to Fair Game. Thanks very much. Thanks a million for having me. No problem at all. Um, listen, Natalia, the last time we saw an image of you in competition was Probably when you were very s- sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> we were sprawled on the grass outside the Diodoro Stadium, having crossed the finish line in seventh place. Take us back to that moment. Like, what was going through your mind? It was, yeah, it was. It's a really good image as well. I think the guys at Info maybe got it our sports files. I'm not sure, but. I was just shattered at that moment because I've been competing over two days and that day I'd started around 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock that day and when I finished about 6 so I was just shattered and I also didn't know where I finished because I I like to know not to know where I'm finishing just so I can keep in the moment of just sticking with the processes and the idea is eventually the processes will just lead to the goals so when I kind of got up I was kind of wandering around and I knew that one of my friends had won gold Chloe Esposito so I was giving her a big hug and then Sive my training partner came flying out um, which she wasn't they're not allowed out into the field of play but there's no stopping that woman and she was straight <laughs> over to me big hug like jumping up and down and then so my coach was beside me and he was jumping up and down as well Andy and like I was like I swear I finish and they were just they, they hadn't even told me at this stage so that was all just a whirlwind and then when they'd said seventh I just couldn't believe it you know because I'd, wa- I'd always wanted to beat ninth from London but beating saying it and doing it is entirely different things especially in pentathlon because it's so varied so to do it I was just it was kind of a little bit of sense of relief but there's always that little bit as well like oh my god I was so close to getting a medal Mm -hmm. so there is but I suppose I wouldn't be an athlete if I didn't have that feeling because I always want to better myself and I always want to be knocking on the medals doors so you know that was it was a great moment and also at that moment you're kind of like oh well 
definitely do it next time. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a really strong performance in, in Rio. It was absolutely fascinating to, to watch it unfold. But you had a faultless round in the show jumping and set a new personal best in, in the swim. Yep, so I went personal best the whole way through the day again, which is what the goals were from, from London. I did the exact same thing. And I always said that if I could repeat that and get personal best across the board and come last I'd still should be at least happy with my performance so to have personal best and do as well as I did that's kind of what I was delighted with Wow that's incredible what a time what a time to peak I know yeah <laughs> I hadn't had a great season up to that well I'd, I'd been competing every two weeks trying to qualify because I was qualifying through ranking points um, and that means that I was basically collecting them across different competitions throughout the year from about June 2015 to May 2016 so I had to keep going to every competition to get the points so I wasn't having a lot of time to train I was just every two weeks competing back train compete back train so my performance hadn't been that great because I had enough enough time to kind of accrue the training. So I knew that after a block I could do something good, but I just didn't know what it would be. So The Olympic Modern Pentathlon event is split across two days. So how do you keep your focus in between that, that break? It's actually really different now um, compared to what I was doing throughout the year because the first time they've ever split it across the two days was at the Olympics and it was purely for a spectator point of view because it made the day shorter the second day to watch and to make it more exciting so it actually I'd done one time before at the test event in February in Rio I'd done the split across two days and that actually really helped me because I kind of understood what was going to happen and how I should deal with it mentally so we came up with the game plan that just like in Rio and I did it in a couple other places that after the fence I didn't want to know what position I was in at all I just wanted to know how many victories I got or if I'd done badly I didn't want to know how many victories I just wanted to know if the performance was good and my coach would tell me maybe you got 16 victories and certain amount of defeats and that's what we did in Rio I was told my victories because I knew that I might be asked about that in interviews afterwards but not told my position and everyone else around me and my team surrounding me they knew not to tell me the position or to talk about it and everyone in the village also knew that as well I'd planned that in advance and I'd worked that out with the, our psychologist Kate Kirby because it meant I didn't feel any pressure I didn't know where I was I could have been 25th I could have been first you know mm. so I just went back home that evening and then I went and had some food I watched Arthur um, on the TV and then I just went to bed that night not knowing and then the next morning I didn't know until after the swim that is incredible willpower like how how would you even sleep without just like being tempted to check your you must have had a social media ban everything yeah I turned everything turned off. off I had to turn whatsapp off that's even worse with their family groups and things oh, like that no. but um, I just I'm just I prefer not to and I've kind of my very first competition when I was about 16 or 17 used to shoot statically and you could see the sh- shot card came back to and I found then that if I looked at it and saw, oh, I didn't shoot that well, it would throw me off for the rest of it. So I learned then just to put that at the back of my mind. It's something that works really well for me. I just forget about it. Like I didn't know I was in fifth going into the combine until I went out onto the range and put my gun down in fifth. And it just works really well for me because it means I don't feel the pressure of, oh gosh, I'm doing really well. Other people like to know and that's that just works for them, you know. So it's just a different thing for me. It means you need to have a really good team around you that don't tell you and also don't let other people kind of disturb it mm-hmm. and would would you apply that was would, would that just be an Olympic thing or would you apply that to all the tournaments we saw on say the RT Road to Rio series like a lot of travel to a lot of different tournaments would you be building up applying that kind of yeah focus to definitely I try and practice everything I would do in a big competition like the Olympics in all those smaller ones so in the test event in Rio in February after I qualified for the final I did the same thing I next day I didn't want to know and then in World Cup final in Road to Rio you can see in America and I also didn't know where I was until after the horse riding 
so I just do it the whole time and for me it's pentathlon is never over until the last event because it changes so much the horse riding throws in a whole new thing and then also just just everything changes up until the very last event so for me I look at it with the kind of way is oh well I might be in six now but I could be in last after the next event but I could be in first also so the positioning doesn't matter it's just the performance and can you tell us a bit just talk a bit more about the show jumping there because that was one thing that when we were watching the Olympics this year it's just like it's just baffling that you put in all this training (sighs) and you show up on the day and it's not bring your own horse you just get a random horse yeah. And you just what do you have a half an hour to yeah, it's, practice it's or pour with the horse? <laughs> like oh, what, what, what happens? It's you're given it's a lottery draw basically, and it, depending on your position from the previous events, you're allotted a different horse. So they're drawn out of a hat essentially, and you get twenty minutes and five jumps, and then you go. And it is kind of it is a hindrance, and it's also sometimes good depending on the horse you get. But just like you said, my dad said to me after London that I could train so hard for four years and be the best in my game and then just rock up in the day and get, get some donkey or something get like some donkey. <laughs> and that's and I don't know if anyone watched the road to Rio the RT that's what happened to me in America I was in probably one of the best performances I'd had so far I was in the top 12 got a, I got a donkey who'd nearly been eliminated the night the one before but just scraped through and you know but I think it also really you have to rely on your training there as well and I've horse rode since I was younger and we had a really really good riding instructor out with us called John Lettingham and he'd walk the course at me and nerves are a massive factor in it because they can obviously transfer to the horse and then also the person riding the horse before you so I watched a Hungarian girl go before me and she was riding my horse and she fell off in front of me and I remember just looking over at John and being like here we go again and John was like I don't know what Chuck made it's a great horse and off we went back again and I think what helped was John had walked the course at me and I'd done that course in my head about 200 times before I got out there and I'd talked it through John we'd looked at videos so I'd no nerves because I had this huge foolproof plan in my back pocket I knew what strides where to go like I could still tell you the course exactly now from 1 till 12 it's that ingrained in me and it was all about stride patterns and the time was so tight and the same with Arthur as well Arthur went clear as well the same with him we just had everything nailed down and that's all you can do you know that's as much as you can do prepare as well as you can Mm -hmm. that kind of mental focus like that blocking everything out and that being so mentally prepared for everything that's going to happen do you apply that to kind of everything else because being in the Olympic bubble we've we've heard people talk before about how you know in the two weeks that you're in the Olympics basically you do more media interviews and there's more buzz about you than there may have been in the four years previously you know what I mean like it is such an intense period of time and everybody at home is looking and everybody around the globe is looking and it's just it's a I mean it is the pinnacle really so do you apply it to literally everything like how do you deal with that yeah it is it is it's a difficult one around the Olympics as well because you have to maximize the potential of kind of that people seeing you and seeing your sport and seeing how much you train but it's also the time that you need to not do all those things so it is really really difficult and I understand it because it is a focal point of everyone's lives for two or three weeks and they're interested in you which is lovely and they're supporting you but it also is tough because you you shouldn't be kind of doing interviews and for us it's really difficult because we always compete the last two days of the Olympics so I don't ever go into the village until the second week to the middle of the second week I trained up in a place called Uberlande at the Irish holding camp which was phenomenal and definitely intrinsic to our performance Uh, a guy called Giles Warrington was um, he organised all of it and it was just flawless and we had a fantastic time out there we took runners with us we took fencers with us and we 
created a high performance environment that we do at home and we just stuck into our own little bubble had great fun and that's the main point about towards yes it's a lot of training coming close to the olympics but also most of the training is done so you just need to be relaxed and i compete the best when i'm just having the crack and having Mm. so much fun and that's what they we created and then when we flew down to the olympics we just stayed away from everyone else I hung out with Arthur and with Andy and Tristan, my two coaches, my fencing and performance director, and our physio was there as well, Sarah Jane. And, you know, you hang out with the people that you're used to seeing in your Institute of Sport or in your normal life. And we just didn't let anyone else interrupt that until we were Mm -hmm. finished. So, you know, that's kind of the main point for me is just creating the exact same environment that I have at home. And that's that's what we did. And, you know, I've done it twice now because we had our holding camp in London as well. And everything worked out there as well. And it's just definitely something for me. I figured out kind of how to do it. I just need to replicate it more often. Mm -hmm. And how how was the overall experience of the Olympics being held in Rio for you compared to London four years ago? Was there was there much by way of a difference from like the athlete experience? Um, it was a great experience it was really really good they were completely different but different in great ways for me competing um, I did get to compete in the swimming pool the actual swimming pool in London and it was all held on one campus in Rio and Diodora but it also it, I didn't, it didn't hamper anything I thought it was a fantastic experience I know it was difficult getting there as a supporter because my parents said that and also when after I competed I finished I went back with them to Copacabana and it took hours mm-hmm. but it, I had a great time. It was a little chaotic in terms of transport to and from the village, but it was also quite a far away. And, you know, we didn't have any major problems. It's just, I think when you're getting that close to competition, a lot of people try and pick out small things and make them a big deal just because they're nervous. So I think that's where you have your coaches who just deal with all that sort of stuff and you just mm-hmm. sit there. Your finish in Rio is two places above your ninth place finish in, in the Olympics four years ago. Um, and that's like that's really impressive progress that's huge what were the biggest lessons you learned from London what were the biggest takeaways um, I needed to get faster in the pool um, which is one thing I worked on a lot I needed to get quicker in running which I did which I still need to do again and I think kind of even if you look at kind of me from London to Rio I'm a different build of athlete um, but everyone else in the competition is as well it got a lot faster running wise and swimming wise so the body all, all our bodies changed kind of more leaner like a runner in comparison in London we're kind of more powerful a bit like swimmers so that's kind of one thing that changed and I think I had a massive down point after London is I overtrained um in 2013 I came back after the ninth position I was like I'm gonna win all the medals next year and I put too much work in I didn't realize how much London and the just the process up to it had taken out of my body and I had hip problems I had like a lot of health problems and then I just need to take about six months off so I've learned a massive learning from after the games this time around I've taken longer to come back I'm I'm kind of easing back up to it and I'm doing a running block in the winter instead of focusing on everything and I think that for me is going to be the focal point of my next four years because it took me about a year to get back from that after London so I'm hoping that this time I've done it right. Mm. And we've heard you speak in the past Natalia kind of about the importance of the support team around you Mm. including your sports psychologist Kate Kirby and your nutritionist Sharon Madigan. Um, Are those elements kind of just as vital to you as, as the physical side of training? Are they definitely it's from my I think any athlete you see anyway was going to have a huge support team you know it's one person at the front but probably so many backroom team and they get you there but for us because we have five different sports I have five individual coaches you know my swimming coach Dave Malone he's head of Paralympic swimming and 
he's been with me since I was about 16 or 17 when no one would have gone near me because I was so bad, you know. So he saw something in me then that he probably doesn't admit now, but Mm -hmm. back then he did and he kept me on. And we have a really good running coach called Steve Macklin as well. I had a fencing coach just in Paris in the Olympics. We had a shooting coach then as well, horse riding, you know. And then I have my physio, my physiologist, my psychologist, my Mm -hmm. nutritionist. There's more, there's more. When when our team gets together in the team room and talks about everything and the coming year, there's more letters in the alphabet on the rack (laughs) in their names than there is anywhere. And, you know, they are intrinsic to everything we do because they take, we do the hard training, but they take the weight off our shoulders in Mm -hmm. terms of organizing everything, making sure it's the right training and, I think that's a massive progression in Irish sport as well especially with the Institute of Sport it's something that they offered that you know when I first started wasn't I was driving everywhere around town trying to get places I was doing training early in the morning straight after each other I didn't know the idea about recovery whereas now everything is so scientifically done but really simple you know mm-hmm. just it's natural things like stuff that you've learned over the years and it makes it much easier and much funner it was interesting at the at the huddle conference when you you were alongside Sharon on, on a panel on nutrition and the comparative photographs that you showed between London and Rio and that you were actually like like there was a couple of kilo, like kilograms in the difference but your whole diet had changed in between and just performance upped because of it. Yeah, I'm in London. I was very fit in London, really fit. But I actually was probably about a kilo heavier in London than I was in Rio, but I'm probably about 15% less fat. You know, it's a huge amount of difference in the photos. You'll see them. I'll, I'll send them on to you afterwards. There's massive difference. And it's just mainly because the simple thing, I, I ate so much more because I was nearly we didn't understand how much calories were coming out of me in all the different trainings and different people react differently. Like I was finding I was burning so many calories on a night that I'd swam beforehand in comparison to run the evening before that in certain nights I needed more than others. And I wore calorie bands, calorie monitor bands for a while so we could figure out the exact amount. And for me, that was huge because I needed to, I was basically kind of nearly slightly starving myself without realizing I just wasn't putting enough calories in. And and it wasn't like I was on a diet. We just had no idea the amount I needed to consume. Mm. And that's basically what I did. I went back and when I was on my time off, I I went and I ate loads more and just learned to eat more. It's very difficult as a smaller person to be able to eat the quantities. So I learned I could drink the quantities as well in terms of like recovery shakes like oat gains and different companies work better with me in terms of kind of amounts like I use a lot of Connecticut products now because I find them much easier to drink and that was just trial and error you know Mm -hmm. things like that and smoothies I can make by myself and stuff like that it's much easier for me to have smaller meals but a lot more of them instead of trying to put a huge amount of carbs into into myself I just can't Mm -hmm. that's I mean listening to you talk about the level of food you have to eat I'm really intimidated by what I think is your schedule do you know what I mean and so you fit in training for five sports recovery for five sports and then fueling yourself at that level um talk us through a typical schedule at the peak of your competition like how do you fit all of those things into one week Basically, it would be our performance director and the Institute of Sport putting everything together. So we break the week up into train six days a week, always a Sunday off unless there's competition. We'll move that around. And that could be up to 25 hours. It could be less some week, more another, depending on the um, time of the year we're in. And that we break the days up into power and endurance days. So an endurance would be a run and swim and a power day would be fencing and gym. So on a Monday and Tuesday, their endurance days, I will swim and run both those days very hard. And then on Wednesday, I will have a power day. I'll do gym and I'll fence. 
and that means that it kind of allows our body to recover in certain elements so that we can push ourselves harder in different days and it's done it's done just well that we can recover in and then get ready for the next session so on a monday i would run swim and shoot tuesday i would swim run hard in the morning i'd have the afternoon off ready to recover for a real hard gym set the next morning and fencing lessons i'd have the afternoon off i'd fence in the evening and then thursday i would run in the morning hard and swim in the evening and then friday back to a power day i'll do gym and then i'll have the afternoon off and i'll recover for the evening and i'll fence and i'll shoot and then saturday we have a half day so we'll run really hard in the morning and have an easy recovery swim just before lunch and then i basically kind of have a day and a half of recovery before it starts again so it's broken up into half days and full days and sometimes it's reshuffled depending on if you're really tired you know you can move sessions around because what i've learned across the year and something i still struggle with is to be able to listen to my body because i can train really hard in some things and harder than others and then I can also not be as good as other people. We're all different people. It just, you know, you need to learn and you need to learn to kind of say no or to talk to your coaches. And for me, it's always the hardest bit to be like, oh, I'm a little bit tired now because I always want to do the training. I always want to. The way I look at it is, and people often say it is, when I was younger, I was never the most talented. I just worked really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And I think that is very much true. You'll see hugely talented athletes and they don't ever go that far because they're not willing to put the work in. But that's also detriment later down in the line because mm-hmm. you just don't want to stop working <laughs> just in case. And has the, the Institute of Sport, the new facility out in Abbottstown, made it made a big difference to your training? Has it kind of given you an extra hour or two oh, in the day? Oh, it's class. Yeah, it's brilliant. You know, we do everything on campus now because we have a pentathlon centre up there. So we have a fencing cell shooting behind it. We can run on campus. They have a state-of-the-art um, cross-country trail now that they've had for a while, but they've just opened it. And you can also run behind the pentathlon centre and shoot there. So there's three of my sports. Then I swim in the NAC. I always have done for years with the NAC Swim Club. And then I can also horse ride if I want there on campus. And then I go into the institution and I can have physio. Mm -hmm. I do my gym there. I can see anyone I need to, any of my support team. So it means that I do everything on campus in one day and I can go back instead of driving everywhere, you know. So it's really good. It's, It's changed a huge element of our training. And I think it's done that. There's so many teams that are moving out there now because they see the high performance. Yeah, you seem to have a, like a close knit group of of training buddies, kind of in your <laughs> in your gang, including uh, fellow modern pentathlete Cy Brazel, who you mentioned, yeah. and Arthur, and also Paralympic swimmer Ellen Keane. Yeah. Um, I suppose does does that do you all kind of help each other sustain motivation? Is it what, what's the dynamic like with, yeah, with your training buddies? Like we had an unbelievable squad in the summer this year. You know, uh, was so much fun as well. Like I look back on Rio, obviously I'm delighted with my result, but I had the best three weeks of my life because it was so much fun. Like Sive and I get on fantastic, and she shared with me and kept morale really high. And you know, she's so funny as well. So the group, and then we had some really good fencers out with us, and we also have had a runner out with us, Dara, who was helping up pace Arthur and it was just really lovely and I think yes you can push yourself on and we were really good you know some days you'd be kind of like swimming and dying and then someone would be like last set last set and you'd be like oh I can do it and then the same thing kind of throughout the summer you know people there's days that you know no one likes getting up on or and I always think in any sport regardless of your high performance or or just doing it for the fun there's always going to be someone hurting in your training group one one day of the week or a few days of the week and sometimes that's going to be you and sometimes it's not so I think kind of trying to push each other on is the best as well and Saif has brought me on no end you know she pushes me all the time kills me in running kills me in the pool as well 
you know she's one massive star for the future and she was there to push me on the whole way as well and you know Arthur I fence Arthur as well now I'm not much for him to fence he's a bit too quick for me but you know sometimes um, I get a couple hits on him anyway and you know there's there's a huge I think the Irish sporting community are great you know we have fencers that come down and fence us and they drive specifically to come out because they knew we were training for Rio mm-hmm. and you know that's great and then I've been in the NAC some club with Ellen and you know I see Ellen getting fitter and fitter and I'm thinking geez, I better be kind of <laughs> close enough to her and, you know to, but like it's great it is really good and I have some of my best friends train with me which is great mm-hmm. yourself and Arthur I mean talking about training with some of your best friends um, you guys have enjoyed great success in mixed relay world cup events recently got silver last year and gold in Florida in May how do you find competing as part of a team rather than just as flying solo Yes, it is. It's totally different as well. And um, myself and Arthur are completely different in terms of the way we compete. You know, I block everything out. Arthur loves to be psyched up, ready to go. Let's roll, let's win. You know, whereas I'm a bit more mellow. And I think it's a bit of a yin to a yang because I can try and keep him a little bit more mellow and he gets me a bit more psyched up. So it's really good fun. And they're so much fun because, you know, in some points where I might be stronger in, like in, in quite a lot of the fencing competitions, I've done a lot better and then he'll pull us back in the swimming where I might be a bit weaker so it's really good we kind of play to each other's strengths and weaknesses so hopefully I think it could be maybe the end of November in this, or maybe a bit later that we'll find out if the relay comes in for Tokyo so that will be pretty incredible it will mm-hmm. be a totally different ball game in terms of training but it will be fantastic it will be fun and would it be urge you actually talk about that immediately your interview immediately post the Olympic event like you were already mentioning the mixed relay in Tokyo would it be a case of if it does come in would it be a case of one or the other or would you be yeah I think it remains to be seen in terms of what way they lay it out in schedule wise because at the moment the relay always goes after the events but if it's in specifically for an Olympics, they might put it before. It really depends. And I'm not entirely sure. You you probably can at the moment. We obviously do the two. But if it came in for the Olympics, it would become more of a specialised event because it's a shorter sprinter and you would get specialised relay athletes. And I am naturally more a power athlete. So is Arthur. So we're much better at sprinting. So this would really play to our strengths, you know. And if we focus on it, I'm sure we could get a lot better again. But I think it would. I think I would do the two for as long as I could, um, you know, because it's great training and also I really enjoy it. But I think maybe you'd end up focusing on one. But you know, it remains the scene. Hopefully, it gets in first as the first mm-hmm. one. The the profile that you know, modern pentathlon pentathlon. Geez, I can't even say it. Never mind competing. <laughs> uh, the profile that modern pentathlon has gotten since you've been competing in London and again in Rio is is incredible. You've really become kind of the the poster child for modern pentathlon, um, and you really put it on the map. You know, not only as the first woman to represent the country in the sport at Olympic Games. Do you feel that the sport's growing at grassroots level? Yeah, so far I've seen a lot of um, development days and taster days and a lot more people are going to it, which is great. And, you know, I think the future of Ireland in terms of um, medals and sports will come in multidisciplines because, you know, it's really difficult for us to compete individually. Yeah, we have some incredible athletes like Thomas Barr and, you know, some great boxers coming through as well and, you know, swimmers, etc. But it multi-events will lean to our strengths, I think, and that's something that we should focus on a little bit more, which would be great. And I've seen a lot of people... I started off into triathlon, which is four of the five sports, and that's at pony club level. And now 
the nationals there has a couple hundred people in it every year and you know I did it for the fun and I definitely promote when when kids are younger it needs to all be about the fun because I had the best summers of my life doing triathlon so that's running swimming shooting and horse riding and you know the most exotic trip there would have been to Belfast if we went to Belfast you know it was really close and it's in within Ireland and I had the best summers of my life doing that and I think that you know if I'd had them as competitive summers I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much but it was just all about participation fun having fun with my friends basically Mm -hmm. those taster days that you guys have coming up at the national sports campus we were looking into those and I mean they look great like you know if you ever think rage and I can't go yeah we were that was our first reaction what's the age group what's the age limit you have to to be uh, 6 to 19 we're a bit past it but you guys do you do an awful lot of work with the um, with Sky Sports Living for Sport Academy you're an athlete ambassador you kind of visit schools nationwide as part of that so how does how does that work what do you do there so i would help them set up a project um, that will be for about a maximum of 20 students and then it can be a project from anything from public speaking to introducing them to new sports to kind of working with elite level um, athletes or people who are not engaged in sport at all and it's up to the teacher and i help them set up the project and then i'll come in and take them for a half day or a full day afterwards which is me kind of helping them with six keys to success are called. So stuff that we use every day, things like hunger to achieve and breaking barriers and just making plans. And, you know, it's not about sports yet. It's Sky Sports, but it's about getting people kind of enjoying things like that. And I'm really passionate about that. That's something that I really want to follow on no matter how long I spend in the sport is just that promoting kids to get into sport and students and young adults and adults alone because we're going to have a huge obesity problem soon. And with the rate that um, students are dropping out of sport as well, it's really difficult. And, you know, I've got so much from sport that I feel like if other people could find a sport and there is a sport out there for everyone, they just need to keep on trying and trying and trying because that's the best fun about it. And you can make the most friends and have the best summer. And even if you're not sporty, it's not about being sporty. It's just about being active. That's like going for a walk with a dog, going walk with your parents. And it's good for mental health as well as physical. And that's something that I'm really passionate about kind of getting maybe hopefully more people into sport mm-hmm. but for like for for young girls in school like for, to have the likes of like yourself and Katie Taylor and Cora Staunton going in and like just kind of teaching them about sport but them seeing like role models from a young age it's just so important um, and it's 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 a really crucial factor I think in, in kind of the bigger picture of women's sports not just in Ireland but but worldwide um, how you yourself as a as a sportswoman how do you feel of the current status kind of worldwide the bigger picture for women in sport as the term is often used I think there's a lot more opportunities out there for women in sport now I think you know there is so many more things and the rugby girls have done unbelievable things in bringing their sport out as well and the same in Gaelic you know and I think we need to keep pushing the boundaries of kind of showing women how many sports there is out there and how they can do them so well and I love the idea now yeah it's full of people on Instagram doing it but that skinny isn't the big thing now it's just about being strong and being fit and I think that's great that's a great thing to have but I still think we've miles to go you know there's so much stuff and there's so many you know 16 I see it all the time in school 16 um, 15, 16 they're quite self-conscious low in confidence and they just don't want to do sports because they're embarrassed and then once they stop you know they find it more difficult they're not as coordinated maybe that would be the first thing and then they maybe become a little bit overweight then they get more insecure and then by the time you get into college it's really difficult to turn that around and you know it's really upsetting because 
so many people can help you and you know it's just about being that little bit more active and just trying new things but it's it's a huge you got to be really brave when you're younger you know and being a teenager is tough enough without someone telling you coming into a school and saying here you should try this sport you should do that sport and I just hope that you know I see some incredible teachers when I go in and they are so passionate about getting kids active in sport and I think we're doing great things for that but I think the more initiatives the more people the more athletes the more women who can go out there and show them that we can kick ass and just that you can do whatever you want to do you just need to put a bit of work into it you know it's not easy but you know you just need to put the work in and then you can you know, it I know it's then a bit cliche but if you work hard enough you can achieve it and would that have been kind of your own experience in school Natalia did you have kind of good coaches that really encouraged you to get into to focus on sports or yeah I was lucky I tried loads of different sports when I was younger I was never that good though at any particular sport yeah I was okay in school but I would not nothing you know on an international stage I just tried lots of different things and never really figured out what I loved you know look I still I do five sports now it's not as if I've chosen one (laughs) so it's just for me I did try an awful lot of different things and you know I've been surrounded by fit people and I'm from the country as well and you know when I was younger I just go out and play in the woods you know that sort of way so I think it is something that you know we need to encourage more things and I think maybe it's difficult what to do about it but I think we are going the right direction I think there just needs to be maybe some more initiatives and maybe some more singular girl only things because a lot of girls don't like to do sport with them guys which is understandable and also I see it as well a lot of girls don't want to do sports with other girls who are very good at them because they feel like they're dragging the team down where they're not you know there's massive studies done that the fact that people they don't want to win at a young age they just want to participate and I think that's something we need to really focus on is just participation levels So you've recently made your sports punditry debut as part of the analysis team on RTE's coverage of the Paralympic Games How did you enjoy the experience and is that something you want to get involved in down the line? Um, I got involved in because um, my coach was swimming uh, Dave Lunds head of Paralympics and he asked me what I like to do because I obviously know James Scully Ellen Keane and I got to know Nicole a bit better and Al that swims with me as well Al Kelly and it, it was great I really enjoyed it it gave me a total newfound respect for all journalists everywhere because of the amount of research they have to do which I stupidly didn't think you would (laughs) and I studied more for those two weeks than I did for my college and leaving cert exams because I had to learn all the stats and know I also wanted to make sure because I I know it's a very small window even smaller for Paralympics that they are in the spotlight and I wanted to give all the athletes the best report I could and I wanted also to explain as well as I could about Paralympic Games so that other people could understand and you know show that so many of Paralympic athletes don't know that they can compete in the Paralympics and I wanted to kind of get that idea out there and it was great it was so much fun I really really enjoyed it yeah I, I love commentating on sports I'm a big sports fiend I follow so many things I was nearly driving myself nuts around the Olympics watching everyone trying to qualify and I was tr- constantly updating my Twitter feed all the time looking and you know I really enjoy sports and I did enjoy the commentary as well you know it was great fun and you know the Paralympic Games are just oh they're just even if I wasn't commentating I just love watching them mm-hmm. seeing our athletes and then me able to being able to train with them as well is fantastic some of these athletes come across more barriers than we will ever have in our lives hopefully ever have and they go into that field and they absolutely dominate Mm. and you know they really show everyone what they can do and they are high performance athletes they're they're not people you know that should be looked over or anything because of their disabilities and you know I think that's what the games really shows you Mm -hmm. the game it certainly did and it was it was also a real treat to turn on TV at night and on sports coverage see a lot of nights there was three women on, on the couch there was yourself Geronimo Mulvihill and Joanne Cantwell of course it was um, 
it was just it was just so nice to see like and such but there was such a great dynamic between the three of you so knowledgeable and just really 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 great coverage so we hope to see more of that in the in the future for sure yeah hopefully it'll be great it was it was so much fun and it was great to share it with them as well because they're obviously so great at what they do so anytime you get really nervous joanne would be there or johnny would be there kind of just giving you a bit of advice so it was it was really really good mm-hmm. and you've hinted at it already with us this evening and it was the first question that you were asked pretty much after rio um but is Tokyo on your radar yet? Well, I've, I'm taking a bit easier this winter. I, if the relay comes in, oh God, you couldn't hold me back, you know. <laughs> um, if the relay comes in, you know, um, I'm, I would imagine so, Tokyo. Like, you, the thing is, when I cross the line, I always remember warming up for the relay, um, sorry, for the combined event. And you run by the podium too as you're warming up. And I kept looking at it going, oh, that. I could be standing on that in about 15 pain minutes time or something and unfortunately I didn't get to stand on it but I got closer and you know I'm so close now that you know I would love to and the thing is I'm really really lucky because I enjoy what I do I love training I love the group that I'm with I love going into the institution I feel like having something that I'm really passionate about is you know fortunate if you get to do what they love and especially in an athlete's career a lot of them are cut really short with injury and touch wood I'm being lucky so far and I haven't been pushed out of the game so I don't want to step out of it until I don't enjoy maybe in three years time I could even wake up and be like I don't really like this anymore mm-hmm. and if that happens I don't think you should be in high performance sport unless you have the passion to keep it going because it's not good mentally or physically for you but at the moment you know I'm enjoying kind of being back in the games and you know I I'd say yeah you wouldn't be keeping me away too much it'd be nice wouldn't it (laughs) (laughs) but one thing one thing between London and Rio in particular that you're so good at is kind of social media presence online presence you make it very easy to follow you and support you and know what tournaments you're in and like here's hoping we certainly will be following your your progress we won't mention Tokyo just yet but uh, (laughs) but we we wish you all the best as you kind of get back to training and thanks a million for joining us on the podcast no problem thanks a million for having me Big thanks to Natalia Coyle for taking the time out of her busy schedule to join us for a chat. You can follow her on Twitter at Natalia Coyle. Make sure to follow us on Twitter too at Fair Gamecast for constant updates across all sports and sportswomen both at home and abroad. Pentathlon Ireland are hosting a taster day at the National Sports Campus in Abbottstown on Saturday the 3rd of December to give girls aged 6 to 19 an opportunity to try out modern pentathlon events. So if you know anyone who fits that description be sure to let them know they could well be the next Natalia Coyle. Likewise, if you're at running or walking or if you're in the gym and you need a soundtrack, we've got you covered. Visit our archive for all of our episodes to date. It's on castaway.media forward slash fair game or you can search and subscribe on all podcasting apps. That's it for this episode. We'll talk to you in two weeks time. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.5%, APR 4.78%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 2% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030.